Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts, Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank, Thank you, you, Wanda. Wanda. Yay! Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine after a very long break. We missed you guys. <laughs> We're glad to be back. This is we Lonnie are. Diane Rich. And this is Samantha Graves. We are here to talk to you about wine and writing. Yes, and today's episode is on jumping the shark, which basically just means when a story violates the rules of its own world. Yes, we've all seen it happen, and it's not pretty. No. <laughs> the first time I saw it, or understood it, was when Fonzie literally jumped the shark, and that's when it all began. Right, that's where the concept got its name. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, so actually, it happened before that, but that's when it, yeah, that's when it got That's when the concept took off. Yeah. That was when, yeah. although I don't know actually when they came up with the concept, but it's based on that episode of Happy Days. We're going to talk about all that later. <laughs> Yes, it's later in the program, but first we have wine. Yes, we do. Sam, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am drinking a champagne. Yay! Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> now, I have to make it clear that it's not the entire bottle of champagne. Okay. <laughs> it's a half bottle of champagne. Oh. <laughs> this is a, a Mondoro Asti, mm. and it is called an Italian sparkling wine, because mm-hmm. I don't think you can call it champagne unless it's unless from it's the champagne. Unless it's got the grape, blah, blah, blah. the yeah. champagne yeah. grape, exactly. Yeah, it's very picky. Anyway, mm-hmm. it uh, was $7 for half a bottle and $14 for a full bottle. Mm-hmm. It only has 7.5% alcohol in it, which... <laughs> Which well, I wish I would anything have known. by our standards. Yeah, right. <laughs> wish I w- which I wish I would have known before I bought the half bottle versus the full bottle. Seriously? So, yeah. <laughs> now the wine notes are fine and consistent, light straw yellow, delicately sweet with the right balance of acidity, rich, intense, aromic, fruity, with traces of <sighs> acacia. Me. Acacia? Is that what it mm-hmm. is? Okay. I'm and guessing. I don't know. See, if you say it like you know what you're saying, then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and scent of wild mountain honey. It sounds yummy. It is really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really good. But but their website on the bottle does not work. So don't go there. Oh, no. Can you believe that? Oh, that's disappointing. Because at least what they is put it the with these people on, on their bottle? websites. I know. You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and secondly, I, I wish I'd bought the big bottle. <laughs> Well, you should have. <laughs> I should have. I'm going to give it a 4.5 glasses. It's very good. Oh, good. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah. Yay. So what are you drinking? Well, completely independent of you, I have also <laughs> picked a champagne. Not a champagne, because it doesn't come from the champagne grape. It is right. a sparkling wine. Yeah. Um, I'm having I can't Kava. believe you picked one, too. When you told I me, know. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> we're celebrating tonight. I know. It's so <laughs> good to be back. back. Yay. Um, I'm having a cava, which is a Spanish champagne. Ooh, so dig me. Yes. Cool. Um, what I have here is a Brut Zero cava from Castel Blanc, mm-hmm. I think, which Sam sent me with my birthday bundle of wine, and I saved it to drink Ooh. with fish while the kids were gone to Alaska. <laughs> so fish doesn't drink. And now the kids are back. So now I have a chilled bottle of champagne just itching for something to celebrate. So I thought I'd pull it out for the triumphant return of Will Rife for Wine. Yay! <laughs> but anyway, so Brut Zero Cava, it's fermented in the bottle. Mm. Which I find a little unusual, but whatever, I'm game. Mm-hmm. I'll go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it has 11.5% alcohol, and it's mm-hmm. an entire bottle. Uh, cool. Which I'm, I'm going through. <laughs> And I'm not going to apologize for that because I'm celebrating. Um, anyway, it costs 10.99 from mywinesdirect.com. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, they should really sponsor us considering the amount of business we give them. I can't even really? tell you how many emails I get from people that they yeah. want to know where. And they go and they order from them. So I really think that they should, they should at least have like a, a whiff or discount. Yeah. They, you, know, you know, so that, so that if people, people go purchase, to them, they could say, you know. Right. Yeah. I learned about your site from Well Right for Wine. Exactly. You know, we need to we get in touch get with like these a, people. Really? We, we do. really do. Because yeah. this is just a shame. Our, the mm-hmm. Whiffers should get a discount. I we'll, think so. At my wine store. We'll work on that, Whiffers. Yeah. <laughs> do they know we call them Whiffers? Have we mentioned that yet on the air? <laughs> You're all whiffers. And we Sorry. love them. It's not attractive, but it's the way it is. All right. So the wine notes. Um, the Brute Zero pops out with a refreshing blend of apple, pear, and citrus aromas that carry through from the nose to the finish. Ah. That's the official word on the, uh, the Brute Zero Cava. And I would mm-hmm. say, you know, it's pretty yummy. It's yeah. good. It's good stuff. Um, I have been enjoying it. Actually, I, um, the first sip, I wasn't quite sure about it. You know, yeah. felt a little dry, felt a little, like, kind of um, light as far as the flavors went. Mm-hmm. And then I started um, eating these um, fresh blueberries that I just got from my <gasps> local farmer's market, which what's Ooh. better than produce from the local farmer's market? Everybody, support your local farmers and get it there because mm-hmm. it's better than anywhere else. And once I started eating it with the blueberries, I just completely fell in love with it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so I've really been enjoying it. I don't know, but I have to say, Excellent. it goes well with blueberries. Mm-hmm. And Who stra- knew? And champagne goes really good with strawberries, too. Right. I think it's a berry thing. I think champagne's yeah. a berries generally go well together so i would Mm. say you know i'm giving it four glasses because at first i wasn't sure okay and now i'm really enjoying it but of course i've had a lot now usually by the (laughs) middle of the bottle i usually like anything (laughs) which is why everything gets five glasses for me (laughs) all right well now that we know what we're drinking we need to talk about who we love this week time for shout outs and shout offs yes i'd love to give a shout out to my beta readers patty newell my librarian Mm -hmm. who kicks my ass in scrabble And Jill Purinton, a Yay, wonderful Jill. chill, a wonderful cherry. Oh, right, She's I love such her. A sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what a doll! Mm-hmm. Uh, for giving out of time a read, mm-hmm. an early read. They're my mm-hmm. they're my two beta readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both avid readers, and I really value their feedback. So thank you, ladies. I want to thank them publicly. Oh, you should, because they're awesome for reading it. It's an awesome book. Oh, thank such you. a good book. I love that book. <laughs> Anyway, my shout-out goes, of course, to my in-laws, who Mm -hmm. took my kids for three wonderful weeks. Last week, I was up there with them, and we had a really, really good time. Alaska in the summer is just amazing, and I really do love it up there. We only moved away because it's so far away, but it's so nice. So Mm. had a really good time. I love my in-laws. They take my kids, and they give me wine. They rock. (laughs) I love them. Also, I have to send shout-outs, I don't know if they'll listen to this, but to Dot, Jean, and Julia, who came over one night for dinner and just charmed me to little itsy-bitsy Lonnie pieces. They were these three <laughs> Southern women, all in their wisdom years, and just a thrill to me. They were so much fun. And, um, you know, right now I'm working on a book, the proposal I just sent out, uh, where a woman my age uh, becomes best friends with a woman in her 70s. So it was really, really fun to hang out with them and kind of get that perspective, that really lively mm-hmm. perspective um, from that time of life. And uh, I've decided that the older woman is going to be Southern because I just loved these ladies. So shout outs <laughs> to them as well. It was really fun to meet you. Can you hear Cecilia screaming and knocking on the door in the background? No. Oh, okay, great. So I just interrupted the <laughs> podcast for nothing. We'll just keep going. Fish will take care of her. That was my daughter. Knocking in. Oh, mommy! On the door. <laughs> Thursday night is podcast night. and Everybody yeah. in the house knows it, but the youngest yeah. one, which is mm-hmm. light, you know, um, mm-hmm. sweetness and light. This is the light portion, who's uh-huh. five years old, sometimes just knows that mommy's behind the door. It's, mommy! <laughs> I hear you talking in there. I know it's I you. Know you were in there. You can't hide from me. So shout outs okay. to Light, who just interrupted yes. the podcast. So anyway... <laughs> 
And I think that covers us for shout-outs and shout-offs. We'll mm-hmm. be back in a minute. At Will Ripe for Wine, we want to make it perfectly clear that we do not encourage excessive drinking. Excessive drinking is bad. It hurts you, it hurts your family, it totally screws with your ability to put lipstick on properly, and we do not encourage it. A little drinking, though? Now that's a different thing. After all, wine is good for you, right? It's good for your heart, it's good for your cholesterol, it's loaded with antioxidants. And sometimes, when you've had a really long, exhausting day, and your kids are making you nuts, and your husband has forgotten to take out the trash again, and you start to become what some people might consider a little edgy, in that case, having some wine is a kindness. A public service, even. So just remember that we here at Will Write for Wine do not encourage excessive drinking. We do, however, encourage you to not beat your husband over the head with a garbage can lid, and if it takes a little bit of wine to prevent that, then we suggest a light Chardonnay. And we're back. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. Mm-hmm. And this is Will Write for Wine. <laughs> just need a little confirmation from you. I just wanted to clear something up because during the break, um, Sam made it clear to me that it sounded like I was talking about my daughter as if I had locked her in the closet while I was doing this. <laughs> She's knocking on the door trying to get out of the closet, which is actually not the case. I'm in the closet. She has the whole rest of the house. So nobody, don't call your division of family and youth services people. Oh, because She's free. You're the one that's locked in the closet. <laughs> right. Still not I'm doing you any good. Trying to get some peace and some privacy so I can do a podcast. And, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to clarify that okay. before we went any further so nobody called their, you know, child protection services people. So. Uh, and it's time for our Will Write for Wine question and answer now. Yay. And providing the question this week is the lovely Eileen Randall. Ah, oh, love Eileen. A wonderful writer whose new book, Unveiled, is on shelves now. Mm-hmm. Eileen's question is about subplots. When layering in subplots in a manuscript, is there a specific formula? Should you have, say, two scenes about the main plot and then one about the subplot? How much subplot is too much? How much is not enough? <laughs> you know, I am so not the person to ask about this because I never do anything by formula. <laughs> I always feel my way through everything. I am a pantser. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm lucky I can grasp and work with turning points. I'm just... <laughs> I'm grateful for that. This is, of course, why I'm gray and wrinkled and developing a nervous tick in my lower lip. So I'm going to pass this on to Sam, who's much more organized about this sort of thing. Sam, what do you say? Okay, well, subplots. Um, you're probably going to hate me for this, but I don't do subplots. <laughs> you know, I mean, I do them, mm-hmm. but I just don't think about them as subplots. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I write romantic suspense. My villains are usually the subplot, or maybe mm-hmm. not. The thing is, it's all one big plot to me. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I listen to the rhythm of the story. I mm-hmm. look for lulls when a change-up is needed. Mm-hmm. I try to space out really intense scenes. But mm-hmm. mostly I just listen to the cadence. It's like a mm-hmm. poem almost. It mm-hmm. should have peaks and valleys. It should leave time for you to take a breath. It should ebb and flow so, so that it's like one cohesive sonnet. So my recommendation is just kind of listen to the cadence of your story and see uh, you know, when you need to change things, go faster, oh my go slower. God. That's almost what I do. <laughs> Just listen it to it and figure not. it out as you go. <laughs> it is. I expected you to have an Excel sheet for her. No. <laughs> I thought you were going to have a little Excel sheet no, that you could attach very, to the I show notes. And, it's very lyrical wow. to me. It's just like a poem. 
But you yeah, know? but I mean, like, listen to you, you with the little planning and everything. <laughs> I was not, that's the kind of answer I would have given. I would have been like, you know, sometimes there's a lull, just throw it in there. You know? well, the thing <laughs> and is, I don't do subplots either. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't notice them. They're I don't there. either. No. You that's know, why when people like start talking about subplots, on. I just leave because... <laughs> hard enough to figure out the real plot leave me alone with a subplot you know, i mean i just don't, I think I I don't want to take the time to identify Ooh, this is a subplot Ooh, you know i just don't i i just write the book you know right. i just write the book and i just kind of listen to the rhythm of it and you know it uh-huh. should it should make sense to me well so. hey there you go i'm just i was just i was absolutely certain you were well, gonna be like is- i have an excel sheet because every time i have a question for sam the answer is always i have an excel sheet for that Always. But the thing is, we didn't really answer the question, did we? No, we really didn't. <laughs> you know, they're going to stop sending us questions soon. They really are. I know. I know. We have really to start are. picking questions so we can actually answer. I know. Maybe we've run out of questions. Because there were a few questions there early on that we answered, I think, rather yeah. effectively. And now yeah. every time you guys send us a question, we're like, I don't know. You're smarter than us. <laughs> maybe what we should do is send a, is put a question in and have you guys answer it and send us the answers. <laughs> that would be We great. should do that. Oh, we should We'll totally do that next do that. week. Okay. We'll totally <laughs> we'll say, Here's our question. Y'all answer this. Because we don't know. I think that sounds really good. It should be a reader question, too. <laughs> it should be. Don't you think? Oh, no. So, it totally should. Let's yeah. do that. I know. That'll oh, be brilliant. fun. We'll do that. We'll reverse okay. it next week. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, it was a great question. We're so sorry right. we couldn't answer it. Um, to get your question on the show and probably not answer it, <laughs> send them in to feedback at willwriteforwine.com. Mm-hmm. Now for this week's We Recommend segment. Yay! I love this part. Mm-hmm. Each week, we're going to recommend something, music, books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever that we love so we can share them with you. Sam, what are you recommending this week? I am recommending my and your local library. Yay! I love my library. This is a fabulous resource. My Mine has a website so I can log in and see my account, what I have out, when it's due back, <laughs> how <laughs> right, much I, I owe know. them if I'm late. And, mm-hmm. oh God. Plus, I can search and reserve books from the entire library system and then have them yes. delivered to my local library mm-hmm. for pickup, which is great. And I think mm-hmm. they will, some libraries, um, and I think mine will do this too, will even mail them. You know, if you oh, if no you can't way. make it, yeah, isn't that awesome? Oh gosh, uh, I have the same library system. It's Onondaga County, right? No, I have Madison County. <gasps> oh, Onondaga does something similar, but it's very cool. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, my library also has uh, downloadable audiobooks, which is mm-hmm. really cool. They have free on-site wireless access mm-hmm. and computers to use if you don't have one. They have quiet spaces to use if you don't have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> We know how that is. Yes, Mm -hmm. and the nicest, most helpful folks to guide you. So please support your local library. These are such an important resource, and we are very lucky to have them. Well, yay. Yay. What a great, lovely, and intelligent recommendation. Thank you. Let me follow that with my recommendation, (laughs) which is (laughs) ICanHasCheeseburger.com. It's my new obsession, and I blame it on the lovely Molly Smith. And her mm-hmm. husband, Josh, who came to hang out with us in New York and introduced me to a website called ICanHouseCheeseburger.com. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it says about me that I'm completely <laughs> obsessed with this site. Probably nothing good. But I laughed so hard that I was literally weeping, wiping tears from my face. <laughs> it was horrible. I'm sure it had absolutely nothing to do with the blackberry mojito I was drinking at the time. <laughs> it's just really funny. Anyway, it's a website where people caption pictures of cats. <laughs> 
I know. I know. I know. I know. It sounds completely horrible, but it is really funny. Apparently, there's this big underground movement of this sort of activity, which started with a site called lolcats.com, like LOL, laugh out loud. One day, someone put up a picture of this heavy gray cat with his head tilted to the side, and the caption was a simple, I can have cheeseburger. And a trend was born. Now I can has cheeseburger takes the best of LOL cats and puts it on the site. And it's just really, really funny. There's something about the way, I don't know, the cats have bad grammar and spelling. that is just, I don't know, funny. I don't know. I, I kind of wish we'd name the podcast. I can has wine. I'm not sure Sam would have gone for that. You know, as much as I love it, I think it would have kind of defeated the purpose of the show. Right. Or we could have had like, hey, how about uh, I can has grammar? Right. <laughs> but spelling grammar wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because they spell everything wrong. I mean, that's the yeah. funniest part is that they have like, um, uh-huh. the, the one thing that the cats do a lot is they say, oh, hi. But they yeah. spell it, you know, O and then H-A-I. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> There's no reason for that to be so funny to me, but it just is. I mean, I check this site. I really do. I've started checking it every day. It's very, very sad. Okay. That's and a little scary. I think, <laughs> I think, now, Sam, do you have, because you didn't know about this until I sent you the script yeah. earlier today. And right. What, what did you do once you saw the site? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then in honor of I has cheeseburger, I. I can has cheeseburger. I, oh, I can has I can has cheeseburger.com. Ah. With cheeseburger spelled C-H-E-E-Z-B-U-R-G-E-R. Mm-hmm. We'll have the link up on the yeah, site, but you have to spell it wrong or you won't get to the right yeah. site. I immediately took a picture of my cat. <laughs> <laughs> and put a caption on it. And I'm going to put it up on the show notes. It's really Yay. cute. It's Oliver. I it's love Oliver. Oliver. And we just got a kitten, too. We got a kitten this week, I Calliope. Know. So you're going to have you're gonna have stuff to contribute to. I'm going to have soon. to take some pictures of Calliope and yes. put her up on the... Because it's yes. just... It's too flippin' funny. I mean... <laughs> well, some of them I are have terrible. To do, some of them I'm going to have really, to do like know. a fat cat one. Because oh, my yeah. cat weighs 16.4 pounds. Oh, Oliver. Yeah. And Oliver was supposed to be on a diet. And then we sent him to Grandma's for a week. And that was the end of that. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so grandma fatten him up. So anyway, <laughs> so look forward to more of those. <laughs> it's a really cute site. It is really cute. Uh, okay, and that's it for We Recommend. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a flash. A sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. Calculating Killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight unseen by Samantha Graves, now available at a store near you. Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Will Wright for Wine. Mm-hmm. Tonight's show is about jumping the shark, which we define for our purposes as violating the rules of the world of your story. Mm-hmm. And we all know how important world building is, right? Don't <laughs> yes. make me repeat episode number 15 to you. <laughs> <laughs> so first we're going to talk about jumping the shark in TV, which is not hard to do. Right. As a matter of fact, I think it's much more rare that you don't jump the shark in television. Exactly. Um, 
Jumping the shark is a concept, like we were talking about before, that got its name mm-hmm. from the time Fonzie jumped a tank full of sharks in his motorcycle on Happy Days. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened toward the end of the show, probably during sweeps, when stunts like this are very popular, doing something new to keep old viewers and bring in new ones. When I was working in television, they used to call it stunting, you know, mm-hmm. because you, you would do something special on a particular episode and it would boost ratings. And then your whole next quarter, you'd be getting your revenue based on those ratings. Mm-hmm. which are for a stunt, you know, quote-unquote stunt episode. Um, but it happens in television all the time, um, usually somewhere between season three and season five. Um, <laughs> and if you go to jumptheshark.com, you'll see that there are a whole bunch of things shows typically do that jump the shark. We were just looking at that and, and discussing this. Yeah. Um, for instance, when two people with huge sexual tension finally do it, there's, that's a, a jump of the shark. A lot of Absolutely. times a show will jump yep. the shark. Um, like Dave and Maddie from Moonlighting, although actually Moonlighting, I will argue... There were a ton of things about that show that made it jump the shark. The fact that they did it was really more of a coincidence than anything else. Um, but uh, but anyway, there's an introduction of a cute kid when all the cute mm-hmm. kids on the, that the show started with are in their awkward teenage years. Yeah. Um, you know, like Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch is a good example of that. <laughs> and the new babies and family ties and growing pains, right? I oh, mean, family yeah. ties. Was it family ties that had? No, it was growing pains that had not only the new cute kid, but then they got Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio. When he was yeah. like 12, also in there. I don't know. They just couldn't have enough kids and, uh, and growing pains. But So there you go. Uh, the thing about Jumping the Shark that is really interesting to me is what it means for writers. I mean, even writers who are not writing series books. I think Jumping the Shark is something that you can do in, um, that you do in series. You know, you start out with a certain right. world and a certain way that that world works. And then you violate the rules of that world. And then that's when you jump the shark. You start doing something completely different from, from what you started with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you can. It is possible to jump the shark in the course of a single book don't mm-hmm. you think yes i mean i yep i've seen it happen yeah there are times when you know a book will start i think it, it it's a violation of the promise there's a certain promise that you make your reader in the beginning of your book i i would argue that the first scene the opening scene of your book makes a certain promise to your reader and if you fail to fulfill that promise i think that there can be an argument for jumping the shark but there's a lot of really intricate stuff um, right. you know, involved in that. So, um, so we'll, you know, we'll get to all that because right. <laughs> we had a lot of stuff to hit tonight, but like, you know, I mean, like say in the beginning of, you know, of a book, you've got certain rules for like, say vampire. So you write a vampire book and you've got, mm-hmm. you've got rules. You can kill them with fire. You can kill them with sunlight and kill them with stakes and that's it. Right. Uh, you know, those are the rules of that story world. Then, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly in the climax, because the writer's boxed in a corner, she pulls out another way. You can kill them with decapitation, too, or holy water, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and sometimes, if you insult them and make them cry, that'll kill them, too. And then the reader's there going, ah, you know. Yeah. So I, so I think it's kind of one of those things where you, you, you make a certain promise. You say, these are the rules of the world, and I'll stick to those rules. And then when you violate that, I think that that's when you jump the shark. Absolutely. And like you said, you you know, especially in a series, because mm-hmm. you make a promise about you have the series that's established. Mm-hmm. The world is very organized. You know right. exactly what their world's supposed to be mm-hmm. based on the characters and how they're going to act. And mm-hmm. you really get to know them, you know. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly one actor is replaced with another. <laughs> and we aren't supposed to notice. For the same character. That's what yeah, I really the love. same yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like the bewitched dicks. Right. Remember the two dicks? <laughs> Well, it was Darren, but the two guys who played him were both Darrens. named Dick, and I guess yeah, they were like, the, "Well, if his first name is Dick, there's Dick yeah, Sargent and Dick York." Then I nobody mean, who will really notice, cares? Right. right? Exactly. Uh, Roseanne's mm-hmm. Becky, right? Exactly. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Northern Exposure, yes. When they <laughs> well, replaced see, the uh-huh. main character, right. I mean, and it wasn't like they didn't like pretend that it was a. But 
it was the same character. He had the same job. He had the same type of, you know, he had a wife. He had, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a different it, character, but it was the same function. Right. In the right. story and that they just kind of swapped them. him out. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work. Northern Exposure no. kind of jumped the shark. Oh, gosh. Well, I think it was in the last, yeah, the last scene where they all went their separate ways. That that, that was just a little bizarre, but yeah, I I never got through the the last season. I've, you know, and and Northern Exposure, actually, the the two big sharp shark jumpers of all time were Northern Exposure and Moonlighting. Those were like the Mm -hmm. big shows for me. These were shows that I watched religiously. I wrote uh, spec scripts for them when I was going to do, um, when I was going to go into television writing, that was like my big thing. I was so excited yeah. about that. And uh, yeah, there's, you know, that's, they, they really both jumped the shark, but, yeah. but good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so when you replace one character with another, mm-hmm. we notice. You're violating just, the rules. Just of for this. everybody right. out there, we mm-hmm. noticed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, is when you introduce a baby. Now, right. you know, I love babies. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against babies. I have two of my own. <laughs> <laughs> but the babies will always change the show. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you can't include them or the entire premise of the original show changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And you can't ignore them because what kind of mother would you be mm-hmm. <laughs> if you ignored your exactly. baby? Exactly. Like, and it gets really you know, annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Murphy Brown. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this. Uh, yes. Mad About You. Mm-hmm. Get Smart. Remember when, when Get Smart? When was baby in Get Smart? I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I mean, oh, was, they had I twins. Some yeah, and it just totally changed the Get show. Get Smart the shows... in 99 had twins? Yeah. Oh, dear God. And it, yeah, and it just totally changed the show. It was just wrong. Right, because they know, were spies, was, right? Yeah. You can't be mm-hmm. a spy with twins. You can't. You know, because unless you're the about... Scarecrow and Mrs. King, in which case yeah. the entire premise is based on the fact that she had two kids. You know? Right. Exactly. So it's kind of but that's thing. the way it started. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. See, that was the promise. It started we understood out as one that. story and became yes. something else. And that, that, yeah. that series was about that. Mm-hmm. Those kids were a big part of that story right, to exactly. begin with. Mm-hmm. But when you mm-hmm. introduce a, a, a child or a baby into a into a show that's already established, like Friends. That wasn't built for it. Exactly, like Friends. Was not oh, my God. When Ross and Rachel had the baby, complete yeah. shark jump. Yeah. That was insane. And then... They didn't want to deal with the baby, so there was just this kid that would show up every now and again. The only thing that changed, every now and again, Rachel had a stroller, uh-huh. you know, and the kid never cried. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the first, like, three episodes after she was born. And we never, mm-hmm. I mean, there were so many scenes where they're all hanging down at the coffee shop, and I'm like, well, who's watching the kid? Yeah. <laughs> well, you have a cappuccino, you know? And especially um, as yeah. a mother, I think you're always like, where's the kid? Where's the baby? Exactly. Where's the baby? It's something you're know? very so. conscious of. Yeah. And even without that, I mean, I think that adding adding a baby to the dynamic, like having mm-hmm. Ross and Rachel be so in love with each other and having a baby and they're like this, you know, it was just the Ross and Rachel thing was so hosed on Friends. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of become one of those, you know, big battle cries of jump the shark, you know, the same way that Dave and Maddie are, you know, is how, mm-hmm. they, how they screwed up the whole Dave and Maddie thing. Um, but, uh, but I mean, you know, Ross and Rachel, you know, here they are. They've always been in love. They're always crazy about each other. They're jealous of each other. They've always got the sexual tension. And yet when they have a baby, they don't get together. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just the stupidest thing. But, um, but I mean, but, that's the kind of thing. Like, and, well, with Murphy Brown, all right. Mm-hmm. Here you've got a show where the entire premise of the show is this, you know, very independent, woman. cynical, mm-hmm. you know, right. woman who doesn't need anybody and who, right. you know, is is. And I loved her character, and it's an I office loved comedy. Her character, it's an yeah. office comedy. It's not a yes. family comedy. So when you gave her a baby, I mean, you know, Dan Quayle had the whole Murphy Brown thing, and that was just stupid. You know, mm-hmm. about it's condoning working mothers. That's not the problem with Murphy Brown having the baby. <laughs> working mothers is not the problem with Murphy Brown.
Brown having. The problem with Murphy Brown having a baby, and Dan Quayle should have known this, is that it mm-hmm. violates what the whole story set out to do, which was exactly. it was about an independent single woman, you know, who was completely married to her career. And it was an office comedy. When you take the office comedy out of the office and bring in all the personal stuff, well, then you're going to have problems. Right. I mean, hello. Yeah. You know? And Mad About You. Mad About You was a family comedy, but it was about young mm-hmm. newlyweds. Yes. You know, and then once you've been together for five years, you're not so newly with the wed anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So they were really stuck with a big problem in keeping yeah. that show fresh. And so they added a baby, which was a natural thing to do, but it completely changed the premise of the show. Exactly. So, I mean, so, that's... The shows yeah. just are never the same after that. Mm-hmm. And Get Smart, having twins. I mean, I... You know, I've only watched, I watched some reruns of Get Smart when I was a kid, and it was really, really <laughs> funny, but I don't even remember him getting together with 99. I just remember the, you know, the sexual tension there, that they got together, got married, and had twins. Yeah. I find completely implausible, you know, for that, because it's a, it's a well, show Well, because it was also that era, spies. too. You, like, you didn't show sexual tension in that era, either. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, so, they I mean, didn't it do it. Like, they got married and had babies. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> which is it's not the way what you're supposed to do it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which is not what that show was about. So I think no. that that's, you know, that that's what it comes down to. But um, mm-hmm. then, then they've got the list of shows on jumptheshark.com, which is where all this discussion kind of comes from this concept. The guy who started Jump the Shark, which is a guy named John Hine, um, did, a, did a website called jumptheshark.com. And mm-hmm. we looked on that site and actually they've given us a list of shows that um, according to votes, you know, just votes right. based on anybody who comes to the site can vote. Um, the shows that have never jumped, we've got the um, we've got Lost, which mm-hmm. you don't really watch, right? You don't watch. I don't Lost? watch. I watch Lost, and I will say I will agree that it has never jumped. And one of the things that I really like about that show in particular is that um, the creators have made a decision, a creative decision, that they're going to end it, I think, after the fourth season, which is next season, that mm-hmm. they're going to end the storytelling there. And I think that there's something, there's really something to that, to knowing when a story ends. I think that if you're dragging on a story, you know, for uh, for any reason other than the story itself, like, you know, you're telling it in seven seasons, not because it's a story worthy of seven seasons, but because it can go you right. know, you can keep producing. You can milk it for seven seasons. Exactly. But yeah. that's the point where it jumps the shark, which led us to kind of an interesting revelation when we were discussing this earlier, is that, you know, jumping the shark is jumping the shark something that happens when you do something in a story for a purpose other than the story itself. Right. You know, for instance, getting new viewers with, mm-hmm. you know, um, Growing Pains family ties or trying to hang on to their viewers. They started with cute kids. The kids all grew up. Oh, God, we need more cute kids. And so they bring well, in these Well, they kids. outgrew their audience, basically, is right. what happened. So right. they have to bring younger kids in to stay within the same audience that they started out with. Right. And know, so instead of ending the show when the kids grow up. Uh-huh. They brought in other kids. Once they start to lose that audience, they think, oh, mm-hmm. it's just cute kids. That's all we need are cute kids. But it wasn't right. just that they need cute kids. It was the Seaver kids. Yes. You know, it was the, um, you know, Keaton kids. It was it was those mm-hmm. kids that the show was about. It was that family that the show was about. And then to bring something new, it changes the entire landscape of the show. So I find that that's, I find, I think that that is actually a really interesting distinction of what we're talking about tonight. In that, um, in that jumping the shark happens, I think, a lot most mm-hmm. of the time, and I, you know, I haven't gone through all of the instances in which a show has jumped the shark, but I think that really it happens because somebody, somebody is making, the creators are making a decision that is not about what's best for the story. It's about getting ratings, getting viewers, getting readers, getting whatever, you know. 
Right. So I think that that's kind of an important distinction. I think that's going to be an interesting thing to think about when we're talking about this more. Um, mm-hmm. Another one that they say hasn't jumped is House. Which mm-hmm. you, have you watched House? I haven't watched all the seasons. I've mm-hmm. only seen like probably maybe five episodes. Oh, okay. Well, you know that might be all you need to see. <laughs> it's essentially the same thing every episode. <laughs> it's the same thing. It is. Yeah. He's cranky. Yeah, I mean, he's I like drug it, addicted. But... His leg hurts. Somebody comes yeah. in. They're gonna die. They spit blood. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks like it's completely hopeless, and then he figures it out at the last minute. Oh, and he has like four different, you know, diagnoses which are wrong. You know, mm-hmm. for one one for each act, and then he figures it out at the end. Um, but actually, House during the first season was really brilliant, and then mm-hmm. in, in the second season they lost me because they brought in this ex girlfriend of his that he was in love with, and you know it was her husband that he had to treat. And for one episode or for like a two episode arc, I was right. kind of okay with that. Right. Because the thing is that in house, it's not just the procedural part of it. It's not just the diagnosing the, um, you know, the the sick person of the week or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which actually I find the least interesting uh, in the whole series because it, that's so predictable. Every week, it's the exact same thing. It's a different disease. But, you know, somebody comes in, they're sick, they're spitting up blood, nobody can figure out what's wrong with them, they go through four diagnoses that are wrong, and then they hit on the right one. Um, you know, which is, it's just a very predictable show. But um, but it was kind of like House, his, his crankiness, Hugh Laurie, his brilliance in portraying the part. There was um, one episode that they had at the end of season one, which actually I used in my class when I taught television production. Um, that I would show them, and it was called, uh, I think, Three Stories, and it just had some some brilliant storytelling in there, and it completely broke the mold of what the show regularly does, but it was brilliant. I think every now and again, you can have one episode that breaks the mold, and it's brilliant, like Buffy's musical episode, which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, was one of those... Um, one of those instances where it's not jumping the shark it's just a brilliant standalone episode and then you go back to the regular world which i think is okay um but then in the second season they added this stacy character was his ex-girlfriend and he was in love with her and it was angst and just i don't know it was just weird it was just Mm. it was just weird and it didn't work for me and i kind of i left the show i stopped watching it because i really felt like it had jumped like it had lost the edge that mm-hmm. was that was part of you know what house was about it was about this this cranky drug addicted <laughs> you know doctor <laughs> who was brilliant i think that more um more of those stories i wanted to see you know his his personal struggles but then you know it was i don't know it was just it was just weird they had this woman she came in and then all of a sudden she had a job at the hospital which made no sense at all you know all of a sudden she's part of the regular cast and it just she just kind of was wedged in there i guess it's mm-hmm. it's under the special guest star it was Seal okay. Ward, the yeah. special guest star thing. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I would I would argue that House definitely jumped in the second okay. season. But um, the other ones off the jump, the Sharks, like The Simpsons and South Park. Yeah. Haven't Which jumped. are kind of hard, too, because they they jumped in the first second they started. <laughs> the I mean, whole that thing is about jumping the shark. It, it is. <laughs> it's about violating so every wall, rule but available. They, but that's mm-hmm. how they started out. Right. We know what to expect from that. That's mm-hmm. what we expect from those shows. Exactly. So that totally works. But the, their their range is so wide. Nothing is off the table. For the, now, The Simpsons is in, oh, dear God, help me, what is it, 15, 16 seasons now? Long time, yeah. I mean, it's been around yeah. for a good long time. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's still brilliant. I mean, whenever I do watch it, I don't watch every episode, but whenever I do watch it, it's it's always funny in the same way, and it's always, you know, but it, there's just so much, it, nothing's off the table, nothing's outside of the range of that world. I mean, they had Bill Clinton coming down as an alien at one point. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, it's just there's nothing that's outside of the range for that world. So I think that that, right. that can work. And the same with South Park. Nothing is too outrageous mm-hmm. for South Park. South Park okay, started so next- with Jesus and Santa fighting. Yeah. <laughs> that was the original I mean, episode. So, uh, you know, from there, you know, where do you go? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about Buffy and Angel and Firefly. Right. The Joss all, Whedon. Yeah. The Joss mm-hmm. Whedon stuff. The Joss Whedon. Which actually, I credit mm-hmm. Joss Whedon. And I know that I'm the big, like, Whedon is everything. Ah! But I, I credit him with starting this trend that I'm seeing, like, with Battlestar Galactica Lost, where they're saying we're going to make the choices that are best for the story and we're going to end it when the time is right. And right. I think that Joss Whedon is one of those people who made his choices always for the best of the story. You know, at the end exactly. of Angel, he was thwarted because it, he was suddenly canceled and he had to come up with an ending. You know, right. and I, you know, and the ending was kind of open ended and it was sort of wild, uh, but I liked it. I mean, I liked mm-hmm. it. I felt like it was it was appropriate well. And if for you felt that it was appropriate and it was it was okay for that world, then then it worked, right? You know, mm-hmm. then it didn't mm-hmm. jump. Yeah. So the next one is uh, X Files and Star Trek Next Generation. Now I didn't watch X Files a lot, but you did. Right. Yes, I was passionate about X Files. Yeah. Another, another. Now I was really actually job. kind of surprised mm-hmm. to see them on this list because one of the episodes that I did watch was the whole thing with the baby when when right. mm-hmm. yeah Jillian got pregnant or whatever, right. mm-hmm. and then the other guy just like disappeared. I don't know where he went, but it was just her. And I'm like, oh, what the hap- what happened? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole concept of x-files is that you've got these two fbi agents Mulder, who's mm-hmm. a believer and scully who's a skeptic very very simple um right. and then they had a platonic relationship there was this whole incredible sexual tension with them um but they never consummated it and then um suddenly in season seven there were hints that it had been consummated and at mm-hmm. the end of season seven suddenly scully's pregnant and you're like mm-hmm what you know because it the, as we learned earlier in like season six that she could never get pregnant so and then yeah. at the end when she's pregnant Mulder has left the show David Duchovny left the show so they had him abducted by aliens and then the next two seasons there's this new partner and there's this baby I mean they just did everything they did all of the violations like you've got the character <laughs> the character replacement you've got the baby you've got the, I know um, so I'm surprised right. I was really surprised to see it on the list yeah I mean it was it of was shows crazy. that had it not jumped. jumped the shark it, it didn't, jumped did not. so hard yeah now I have to, I do have to agree with Star Trek uh, Next Generation that it never jumped I felt mm-hmm. I, I don't think it ever did jump mm-hmm. you know they did do the baby thing but it was the baby was there and gone Right. It was like an alien Whose baby who wanted was to experience. It? it was the empath. Okay. I forget what her name oh, was. Oh, Deanna. Anyway. Deanna Troy. Yeah, Deanna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the baby was an alien who wanted to experience being born and uh-huh. all that. And uh-huh. it grew up in like, you know, one day it was like an adult and it was oh, gone. Oh, well, there you go. Well, see, that's yeah. a standalone baby. That's fine. It's right. <laughs> a standalone baby. You so, you know, that, hey, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it was out of diapers before they even, you know, were able to put any on them. Right. So, um <laughs> off to college asking for the car keys all right. that um so but i felt that that actually did stay true to it so i i have to agree with that one okay uh right. the next one we pulled together csi and law and order mm-hmm. and uh and i think i think law and order the thing is about these and we had talked about this is that they're procedural shows right they're so, so formulaic it's almost if you stick to the formula you you can't jump right right exactly <laughs> And if you do yeah. jump, then it's not going to work. I mean, it's not going to be believable in a lot of levels because that's what it's about. Because it's it, about the procedures, you know? Exactly. Like Law and Order. Um, you know, I mean, you have hints of 
what's going on in the personal lives of the people, you know, the, right. the lawyers and then the, and then the cops. But, you know, the first half is cops, you know, figuring out the yeah. crime and getting the evidence. The second half is lawyers defending it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's all about the um, the episode, the specific story that's being told for that episode, as opposed to being about the people telling the story, which is why I think you can replace your characters because they had, you know, different DAs come in and come out and get fired and all that kind of stuff. Right. And it just, which makes total sense. Right. It's yeah. just because it's a procedural because the focus is on the the story of the week you know whatever yes. it is that they're telling that week the episode the, the focus is really on that and they're very procedural now csi i haven't seen much of but i know that there's i think there's a little bit more in the mm-hmm. personal lives of the um of the characters um in the story but um but again it's a procedural i mean it's about mm-hmm. the the murder of the week you know and what right. they do to, to find out um how that murder happened so for those i think that they're very, very strict in the outlines of what exists in this world, what these stories are about. And so yeah. it'd be, it would be, you'd really have to be very conscious of making that violation in order yeah. to do it in Law and & Order and CSI. I mean, it's all, it's right. all paint by numbers for you. Yeah, I mean, not that it's easy writing. I don't want to say that. But it's, right. very, it's very clear procedural. I mean, you do this in Act 1, you do this in Act 2, you do this in Act 3. I mean, it's very, very exactly. clear. Yeah. So, um, and that's why it works, because it mm-hmm. is that way. So I think those are kind of hard to jump. So. And next we we lump together two comedies, right? Mm-hmm. Seinfeld, right? Which I was totally blown away to see it on this list of shows that had not jumped the shark because I did feel it jumped the shark in the last episode. Maybe it's because it was the last episode. Maybe because there maybe. was nothing after maybe that that people forgave it. Yeah, maybe they felt that it you know it didn't matter at that point, but. But it it but was to fine. End the up show until with then. all of them in jail. Well, and I think they tried to do something really unique and really different and really right. you know. But it but in doing that, they did not stay within the world that they had created. And it just, yeah, oh, absolutely. It, just, it was a horrible violation of the story. <laughs> I get that they're all unlikable characters, and that's fine. But you need yeah. to, you know, I mean, you can't have nine years of these people and then just leave them in jail. Yeah. Well, I would have rather had seen them all hit by a bus and then have to stand trial in heaven or something. You know, that would have made more sense to me. Oh, God. The whole thing was then, just shameful. I, yeah. It was so bad. It and was, from it, such a great show, too. I know. That was terrible. Know, so. mm-hmm. but, and then Cheers, mm-hmm. which which we disagree on. Because we do, right. The whole Diana thing, the whole Diane thing leaving. Sam and Diane, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when she left, I didn't like the show after that. I stopped right. watching it. Mm-hmm. I liked it I better. I did not like the new character and you liked her better than diane i liked her better and here's the thing that the whole concept of the show Mm -hmm. is that you've got these really you know edgy kind of sort of unlikable characters i mean you know norm is really likable but i mean let's face it like he's terrible to his wife yeah i mean and then you've got cliff who's (laughs) sweet but just always pompous with these facts and carla who's just rude to everyone you know Mm -hmm. and then you've got sam who's you know an ex-alcoholic and he's kind of the moral center of the show when sam which is really kind of sad yeah (laughs) exactly when sam's the moral center of your show you know you've got a really good show (laughs) hilarious you know and then you know you had the whole thing with sam and diane and that was really um that was really this intense very real kind of romance where you're sort of rooting for these people you know Mm -hmm. to get together and it's kind of like a sweet chewy center but but there wasn't any outside that fit it like there wasn't like you know (laughs) they had the sweet chewy center and everything was a mess really were 
totally screwed up. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were perfect for each other because yeah. they were so screwed up. Screwed up in their different ways. Does that ways. sound right? You know? Yeah. But then you have this other, this other, uh, who's the new one that came the in? The new one that came in, Rebecca. Rebecca. Christy okay. Alley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She seemed too normal. She seemed normal. She was insane. She was always chasing after the man to get married, the rich man trying to marry well. I know, but I felt that she was too sane to be in that group. When she first came in, she was. Yeah. When she first came in, she was And that's when I stopped watching it. Well, see, yeah, that maybe. Then she became completely insane, and she was totally a mess. See, I missed the insane part, and so she walks in, and I'm like, eh. You know, it just lost it for me at that point. So, anyway. Well, you know, and I mean, cheers, yeah, I can can definitely see that. I can definitely see that, Mm -hmm. but I I really thought it got better once Rebecca came in, because she was like everybody. There was no sweet, chewy center to the show. I mean, it was just all these (laughs) really messed up, damaged people, and you know how I love damaged people. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> so, well, the yeah. last one we're going to talk about, the last group are, are uh, Mythbusters, uh-huh. American Idol, and whose line is it anyway? They say that never jumped. How could they possibly? They're reality shows. They're reality shows. I know. It I doesn't, know. It doesn't make no sense, sense to me so. how they could even yeah. be in the, in the running because On they're the not. List. Right. I, I mean, I guess you could violate <laughs> the laws of American Idol if you made it about dancing, but that would just yeah, be stupid. But, like, yeah. <laughs> Don't they already have that? I mean, you know, right. it would be another show then. You know, so right. it's just so that, it, yeah, those were kind of weird. Yeah, anyway. so those were things I didn't expect. But, yeah. um, so but that anyway, kind of yeah. wraps up. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that was just going to say that wraps up the TV section. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on to movies. On okay. to movies. So they're, they're tougher because if it's not a series, if it's not a series of movies, like usually when you right. jump the shark, it's at some point in a series. You're trying to right. do something different or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That's a one-shot deal. So if a movie jumps, the shark in the middle of a movie, well, that's just really it's bad It's just a bad movie. Right? <laughs> like you're so bad you can't even maintain your world for the course of one for film. For one movie, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it was funny because I was trying to think of, um, of a movie that may have jumped the shark in, in the course of just the movie. Uh-huh. But, you know, bad movies, I don't dwell on that much. I don't think about them that yeah. much. I just kind of deal. I just kind of like, you know, whatever. But I think it just, I, I don't know if you can jump the shark in the course of a single movie. I think that if you jump the shark in the course of a single movie, then maybe just bad storytelling in general. I don't know. Yeah, what do you think? Right. right. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So yeah. what about series movies? Well, we had talked about Star Wars. Right. Mm-hmm. And picked out a couple of things. Now, you only saw the first the original three i saw the original three and then i saw the first two of the second set attack of the clones oh, okay. lost me because it was so horrendously bad i heard the yeah. third one was good though did you see the third, third one, in one the was new yes the third one was good it was better yeah i'll it was never still watch bad, it but it was better <laughs> it wasn't as bad as so two so oh so it was good base you know going on a curve then. Exactly. Oh, okay. Based right. on a curve. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's talk so, about the original, the original Star Wars, because those were really good. And you think it jumped the shark good. when? The Ewoks. The Ewoks. Right. Right. Because, because the Ewoks. To- well, you took it from being very serious. Right. To being like a bunch of teddy bears. Mm-hmm. It was just. Teddy bears with wrong. guns, I think, is pretty much the point. Didn't some of them Yeah, have guns and that and was just terrifying. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being a little kid watching that? I mean, you'd go home, you'd look. You'd think twice about sleeping with your teddy, teddy bears, bear, with wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, you would. But see, here's the thing. Again, when you make a decision in a story that is not about the story, I would argue. And again, I don't know George Lucas. I don't know what he was thinking when he brought in the Ewoks. But what I think is that, and, and you know, I, I need to look at my timeline. But I think that 
E.T. came out before Empire Strikes Back. I'd have to look it up, but I think E.T. was huge with merchandising because the little, Mm -hmm. you know, thing that was so ugly, it was cute. I mean, there was, I remember I was a kid at the time. E.T. was everywhere. I mean, you go in Mm -hmm. and the the toy stores and E.T. was everything. It was huge merchandising. I think, and again, I don't know because I haven't researched it because, you know, God forbid I should actually do any work. Um, (laughs) But I mean, I think my theory is that E.T. was so huge with the merchandising that they put the Ewoks in. Because the merchandising be. would just be, I mean, it's its just cha-ching. It's just money falling from the sky, you know, if you oh, get yeah. some good merchandising in for a movie. And it I think be. that that's where the Ewoks came from. Because it wasn't for the story. They no. did not fit in that story. They did not belong They didn't in that fit story. in that world. Yeah. They didn't fit in, in that world. world. They Yoda not, fit. Did not. Yoda yes, fit. Yoda fit. Yoda fit. Yes. D2 fit in that world. But mm-hmm. cute little teddy bears with guns? No, they just didn't, no. they didn't work. And yeah. Chewbacca worked. Yes. You know, because there was more to those characters than just being really unbelievably cute. I mean, the Ewoks are so cute. You get cavities just watching that movie, Mm -hmm. you know. So so I find that interesting. But, you know, I think, though, because in Return of the Jedi, didn't they dumb down the Ewoks? Was there less Ewok action in Return of the Jedi? Because I think that the Uh, story actually kind of recovered. I remember liking Return of the Jedi. Yeah, there was no Ewoks at the end. Yeah. There were none. Yeah. They took them out. I mean. So there must have been a. Back uh, Ewok backlash. I'll have to watch him again. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, it seems to me like it's a jump the shark. It's a choice that was made right. for something other than storytelling. Ex- George Lucas, exactly. if you're listening, because I'm sure with our widespread distribution, he is. Oh, right. Because everybody is. We're like American Idol. <laughs> everybody knows about us. Um, you know, I mean, can tell us if anybody knows a lot about Star Wars, is like really into mm-hmm. Star Wars and has some kind of information as what the hell he was thinking with the Ewoks, please feel free to send it in. <laughs> this is just my theory. I could be completely wrong, so don't quote me to anybody because you might sound really stupid yeah. quoting me is never a good idea um but uh, okay so now another series movie lord of the rings yes and and what ne- do you think about that never jumped never jumped right never i totally jumped. agree i totally never agree jumped. but it started out as a book though that was yes. written with no consciousness towards even being published let alone i mean alone it was just, merchandising <laughs> right let alone merchandising you know which turned out yeah. to be huge <laughs> you know Peter yeah, exactly. Jackson. Gollum, as it turns Tolkien, out makes a great action figure but jared <laughs> tolkien understood his world and he stayed true to the story throughout right mm-hmm. and luckily peter jackson understood that you know what god bless peter jackson because Honestly. It's so easy to, you know, to screw something up like that. And he, mm-hmm. I'm shocked. I am shocked and pleased. I feel about oh, Peter Jackson yes. in Lord of the Rings that I do about Joss Whedon with Buffy and Firefly mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And that, um, you know, they, they're just true to the story. They were true to what it was really about. And, um, and I'm just so thrilled that they did that because those stories are so amazing and to have them done right is just a really special thing. Cause it's a treat. I know. You know they, it they really get screwed is. Up, like Pirates so of the rarely Caribbean. that happens. So Pirates right. of the Caribbean should have jumped the shark in the first movie. Sadly they didn't. Mm-hmm. The first movie was spectacular. And yep. then the last two were like, nah. third one was yeah. better than the second one, but the second one was a bridge. There wasn't even a full story there. It was just a bridge yeah. between the first two movies. Mm-hmm. I hated that. That yeah. annoyed me. <laughs> I didn't like the gross things growing out of those guys. It was disgusting. The, so. Yeah, the whole it thing, was just, it just bothered me. And then the yeah. third movie, I didn't want to talk about it because the ending. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just so furious about that ending. 
I'm still pissed off about that. I'm very And I upset. even though I didn't talk to you into going to see it, too. No, but, you know, I'm glad I did. I was going to go see it anyway. I really was. I was going to go yeah. see it anyway because I, re- I loved the first one. I hated the second but one. I thought I the think third it, one would I think the it. ending jumped the shark because we didn't get what we wanted. Right. And I don't want to give away too much because we're kind of getting spoiler territory. I know. Spoiler I know because there are people who, really, there. who probably haven't seen it. So, there are people anyway. who probably haven't seen it. But go ahead and see it yeah. and let us know what you think about that crap-ass ending. Really? Pirates of the Caribbean movie. But the thing is, the Pirates of the Caribbean, now here you go. This is what I was mm-hmm. saying before, is that it, it was a story that was written not to be about the story, but to be about the, the um, ride, because they had created right. the ride at like Disney World or something, right? Mm-hmm. Before um, they based the story on the ride. So it's kind of like that reverse, like they created a story out of something that was already, you know, merchandising, right. essentially, you right. know. And rather than creating a movie to create merchandising. But they did a really right. good job with the first one. I mean, really good I job. Know. That first movie was I spectacular. Know. But uh, anyway. So, so okay. we won't talk about Pirates of the Caribbean anymore. So I'm still, <laughs> the, the hurt is still fresh for me. Um, so now books. Here's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing about books is that we're not going to bash any books on the show. No. Because we don't feel like we should criticize other writers there are plenty of people out there who love to criticize writers and since we are writers there's just a certain kind of ethical violation there for Mm -hmm. me so we're not going to talk about books any books in particular but i think Mm -hmm. that it's interesting now that we're talking about these concepts of jumping the shark like how that applies to to written you know well you know creations Mm -hmm. yeah what i think is i i've been thinking about this Mm -hmm. and i think i came up with three things Mm -hmm. the first is if you don't stay true to your story, mm-hmm. which is the story that you're telling, right. what is the book about? Mm-hmm. If you don't stay true to it and you stay on, you know, on task, on focus mm-hmm. with it, then you're going to jump the shark. Right. If you don't stay true to the world that you built the story in. Right. Then you're going to jump the shark. Mm-hmm. And the third one is if you don't stay true to your characters, mm-hmm. if your characters all of a sudden change midstream and start doing something that does not make sense. Right. Then you jump in the shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. so those are like my three things. Yeah, I absolutely agree with all of that. I think mm-hmm. that it's um, you know it's kind of easy to do. Like I, um, you know, in, in the comeback kiss, and I've talked about this a number of times. Um, I had you know committed myself to writing two thousand words a day, and I did. Um, Fifty thousand of those words had to be thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> through the course of the book. I have 175 pages of, um, of scenes that I can't use um, that, that basically because I would sit down and I wrote it whether I knew what was going to happen or not. I would just make it up. You know, I wrote it for a reason other than – and again, I think that that's the heart of it. When you do something, when you work – you put the work down for a reason other than for the good of the story – you know, right. for the, what's what's going to be best for the story. Now, some people can sit down and write, you know, 10 pages, 20,000 words, five pages, 500 words, whatever, a day. Mm-hmm. And they sit down and it's what they call by chalk, button in chair, hands on keyboard is the principle yeah. behind it. And a lot of people work really, really well with that. And there's a lot of dedication, a lot of discipline to that. And that's fabulous. Um, for me, I have discovered that it doesn't work that way for me. And I tried really hard because I'm all about the personal discipline, <laughs> you know, when it comes to my work, um, that, uh, you know, that I was going to sit down actually and actually do this every day. And I did. And I ended up wasting so much of my effort and my time. And so all of those 50,000 
thousand words. Luckily, before I sent it to my editor, I recognized that I was jumping the shark with all of these. I was writing outside of what was best for my story. I was writing what I could grab that day as opposed to mm-hmm. what was actually the best thing for the story. And, um, and it took me a really long time to get that story put together. I think actually I ended up wasting a lot of time by forcing myself to sit down and be disciplined every day. Now, again, that speaks to process. So some people can mm-hmm. sit down and do it just because I can't. Don't think that that's a reason you can't. I mean, that's that's not the way it works. But for me, I mean, I kind of discovered that, and that, that kind of speaks to process. But I think that that's, that's an example of jumping the shark within a book is that you, you completely go off on this other tangent because you don't know exactly where the story is going. Mm-hmm. You know, I think more problem for pantsers than plotters probably because they always know. <laughs> they know where it's going. Yes. We always exactly. know. <laughs> Whereas pantsers have no idea. We're just kind of throwing it together as we go. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think that's it for our, for our C block. All right. Yeah. We're and, done uh, we're jumping gonna... the shark now. I think we're done. I okay. think we've jumped. <laughs> okay. We've jumped the shark officially. All right, we're time for more wine or champagne <laughs> or whatever. We're take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. All right. For 29 years, Carly McKay has known that her mother was never coming back. Her father was never going to file for divorce. Her little sister was never going to grow up and that psychics were full of crap. This year, all that changes. From award-winning author Lonnie Diane Rich comes The Fortune Quilt, a heartwarming story about family, psychics, love, and quilts, and what happens when they all collide at once. Publishers Weekly calls The Fortune Quilt vibrant. Kirkus Reviews calls it beguiling. And you can call it yours if you just head on down to your local bookstore because it's available now. Pick up your copy today. Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is We'll Write for Wine. Want to win Yay. some great prizes? Yes, I do. Hey, head on down to willwriteforwine.com and give us some feedback. We're looking for questions, wine suggestions, or just general commentary on the show. Each mm-hmm. month, all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket at the end of the month. We'll pull a name out of the bucket to win a fabulous prize. Speaking of which, the winner mm-hmm. for our July giveaway for the arc of my October release, Crazy in Love, mm-hmm. and for a copy of Sam's Sight Unseen is... Deb Distante, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, Deb, so you just (laughs) let me know. Uh, Anyway, Deb, email us and give us your address because you are getting hooked up with some great books. Cool. Congratulations, Deb. Uh, Email us with your mailing address, and we'll get those prizes right out to you. I didn't change the script, so we didn't say the same thing twice. Sorry, I'm starting to read fault. it, and I know what's wrong when I read it. I just can't stop myself. <laughs> but it's too late, you know. Just have another drink, and everything's just fine. <laughs> well, you know, we were just talking about that because I did polish off that little half bottle, mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. feel like I'm drinking Kool Aid, right? Because it's, it's like having a beer. Alcohol. I mean, yeah, it might so not I'm, even be. Yeah, I have some real. I have some real wine now. <laughs> what, what are you drinking now? What are you drinking now? I am drinking a Ruffino Chianti. Ooh. You know, I love my Chianti. I know and my favorite you're a big wine, fan. So mm-hmm. I am. I am. <laughs> Good. So I'm feeling better now that I that I have my wine. Mm-hmm. Okay. For August, we have two signed CDs from Will Write for Wine's own BFF, Yay. Adrian Pierce. Yay. Yay. The CDs are Small Fires and Fault Line, both of which we have been listening to nonstop for weeks. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Amazing music from a very talented lady. I know. They're wonderful. And I can't wait for our winter to get them so I have someone else to talk to about how great they are. <laughs> 
those of you who can't wait for the prize, go to Adrienne's website or the MySpace site. We'll have the links in the show notes. And mm-hmm. you can sample her music, then get her albums at iTunes. Or I think yeah. they're out in regular stores, too. I don't know. It's been yeah. so long since I've been to, like, a regular store. And on store. Amazon, too. And Amazon, right. Oh, There's yeah. all, I, I, I buy everything online. So are, are there real record stores anymore? Yeah. Does anybody remember Record World? Does anybody? You know, I don't know. I don't. I've never. I, it's been forever since I've actually driven by like a record store. I know. I know. I'm just thinking about. It. They got like Fye at the mall or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> like an actual real record. Well, you, buy them. I don't care yeah. where you buy them. Just buy them. They're fabulous. <laughs> anyway, she's incredible. So you will see that we adore her for good, good reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. All you have to do to enter is send us email at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or comment on our website. Mm-hmm. We will announce the August winner on our first September show, so send in your comments and suggestions now. Right, and up next we have the weekly weigh-in. Oh, it's good. We even had like harmony and everything. We did. We did pretty good. We did pretty good. Sam, how'd you do this week, or rather these past three weeks since it's been a while? I know. It's been forever. I know. I didn't get any pages written, but I did figure out my heroine and my hero for the next proposal, including names, which you know how important that is for me if I have to have names. Right. I've been doing a lot of research and reading. I mm-hmm. selected the location where most of the story will be set. Great. So, um, so some pro- progress on that, but mm-hmm. not much. Mm-hmm. Um, but get this. The subrights for Sight Unseen were sold to Latvia. Hey! <laughs> That's going awesome! Be, isn't that great? It's going to be translated into Estonian wow. and come out in hardcover in 2008. <gasps> You're going to so, get I mean, a Latvian cool hardcover. That? that is awesome. I know. That so all you fabulous. folks in Latvia, before to sh- be sure to sh- <laughs> check it out. <laughs> Latvia and George Lucas, we know you're listening. <laughs> so that was my big fun moment for the week. Yay! Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, as for me, well, I finished my proposal for the, the new book. Yay! Mm-hmm. And I've been doing a lot of preliminary work on my next book for Warner, so I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, I'm going to start active writing this week, so hopefully next week I'll have some pages to report. Um, although you know how the first scene is. I mean, it just it takes yeah. forever. It's just mm-hmm. it's so evil. <laughs> and then you, but, uh, you know, once you get the, the first scene done, you can pretty much run from there. But I've, I've really got a solid grasp on my story. Like, I've given myself the time uh, this time around to develop the story, and I've got a, a lot of it in my head, which usually Usually I don't have at this stage in the writing. So I've actually done a lot more work, you know. So like plotting? You've been like plotting? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) I've got my turning points and I've kind of figured out, I know who my villain is. And I haven't even started writing yet. Isn't that cool? So yeah, so I'm doing a lot of the work that I would do in the back end before I'm doing ahead of time now. Right. So um, so I'm hoping that that'll make it move really, really fast. Good. (laughs) I'm sure my editor, who will be waiting for it, is also hoping that. Um, I'm really excited about the story, and uh, hopefully the opening scene won't be too much of a killer, and I can get moving on that. But anyway, Wait. next week I should start having some real progress reports. So, yeah. yeah. And the kids are in school in what four weeks, <gasps> three weeks? No, oh, I can't, I can't wait. It. I can't believe it. <laughs> I, I don't know wait. what I'm going to do with myself when I actually have time to right. write again. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, okay, and now it's time for this week's Random Etc. segment, where mm-hmm. we do whatever we feel like, because it's our show. Right. This week is Killer Word. That's our favorite. This is it my is favorite, favorite Random Etc. Mm-hmm. to do. I absolutely love this one. <laughs> I've been yep. dying to use this one on you for Uh-oh. a while now. <laughs> 
It was a great okay. word that my husband, my husband actually, Fish introduced me to this word some years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never thought it was a real word. I th- always thought he was joking with me. But actually, I looked it up and it is a real word, so I can use it. <laughs> and the word is calipigeon. Cala. Pigeon. C A L A P I J E O N. Good guess. Not close, but good guess. <laughs> okay, now go ahead and give me the meaning. <laughs> oh, let me see. Um, hmm. <laughs> I know. All right, you know, have you ever seen a calico cat? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a calipigeon? <laughs> are, you, are you saying a calico pigeon? Is that yeah. your guess? A calico pigeon. <laughs> a calico pigeon. Very, very close. Not really mm-hmm. close at all. But no. I'm... <laughs> all wow, right, you're I'm gonna so you're yeah. gonna love this word though. Okay. <laughs> okay. First, I'm gonna spell it for you. It's C A L L I P Y G I A N. Calipigeon. Okay. Um, it is an adjective, and it means having well-shaped buttocks. I swear, hand to God, that's what it means. <laughs> fish would always, when we were at the cannery, fish would always joke around about how all the, um, that in order to be a foreman, you had to be calipigeon. And I had no idea, and he would say, well, it means you've got a nice-shaped, you know, rear. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, whatever. You know, because fish, you know, is always... Yeah. Coming up with stories and whatever. And then I finally some, you know, a couple of weeks ago was like, I wonder if that's a real word. That'd make a great killer word. And I looked it up and it was. <laughs> and I love it. So literally, yes, they have a word for having well-shaped buttocks. Wow. <laughs> and I dare you to use it in your next book. <laughs> your hero can be Calipigian. <laughs> they all are anyway. They all are, right. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. That was mm-hmm. a good one. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Your word is jejun. Jejun. Oh gosh, I know this one. You do? I think so. J e j e u n e. Okay. Jejun. Uh huh. And I want to say it means something that's small, something smaller, petite. But I could be okay. wrong. As a matter of fact, I'm very likely and, wrong. And, and you are wrong. <laughs> Was I right about the spelling, or am I thinking of the wrong word? You were really close. J-E-J-U-N-E. Oh, okay. So you had an extra E in there, I think. I did. And it is it means lacking any nutritional value. <laughs> there you go. I swear I've seen that. I think I saw that and was going to use it on you one week and didn't. <laughs> really? Jejun. We're probably right. going to the same website. We probably I are. lost my dictionary, and I know it's somewhere in my office. Oh, yeah. So I had to, like, go online to find a word this time. So. Uh, well, I, okay. I like dictionary.com is, is a good one for me. But there's also a thing I've got on, on my Google front page has all these different, like, mm-hmm. little widgets in it. And one of them is called Map My Word. <laughs> and oh. you go in and you type a word, and it gives you a map of, like, synonyms and antonyms. and also, It's really very cool. Cool. And, um, and so I usually use that to find unusual words, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I don't actually have a page paper dictionary i haven't had a paper dictionary in like years (laughs) because i have the internet (laughs) 
And I'm completely dependent when the big electromagnetic pulse comes and nobody can work (laughs) on computers anymore. I'm going to be the most useless person in the world. (laughs) Right now, I'm like second most useless. Once the computer's out of the (laughs) equation, I'm going to be completely useless. Well, anyway, that takes care of this week's random, etc. And I think now it's time for a refill. What do you think? Yep. You got that Chianti bottle ready? All right. Yes, I do, actually. I already kicked the... uh... Here's a little little tip for you guys out there. Just don't buy the half bottles. Just go for the full ones. You'll be much happier. (laughs) All right. Lesson learned, and we'll be right back. (laughs) If a half-hour week of Lonnie and Sam isn't enough for you, we've got some suggestions. First, there's LiteraryChicks.com, where Lonnie blogs with fellow writers and hilarious gals Michelle Kuna, Whitney Gaskell, Eileen Rindall, Alicia Holiday and Beth Kendrick. Every month brings new special guest authors and new giveaways, so stop on by. For more Sam, go ahead and click your way on over to SamanthaGraves.com. She's got the latest news, contests, and some great giveaways. There are also links to her blog, her MySpace page, which you got to go there, and the website for her alter ego, C.J. Barry, author of award-winning futuristic romances. So be sure to check out LiteraryChicks.com and SamanthaGraves.com for more from the girls. Well, it's time for Last Call here at Will Write for Wine. Thanks for hanging out with us. Be sure to send your wine suggestions to us at feedback at WillWriteForWine.com or in the comments section on the website. Send good wine suggestions to me, Sam. Send cheap (laughs) wine suggestions to Lonnie. Me. We swapped that around this time. I think we, <laughs> we did that very well. <laughs> also, don't miss our cool Cafe Press store where you can get all sorts of fun Will Write for Wine merchandise. Mm-hmm. Be the coolest cat on your block with a Will Write for Wine shirt or apron or hat. Mm-hmm. The link can be found in the right-hand column at the website, willwriteforwine.com. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. Your mm-hmm. votes count every month. So if you voted in May or June, in May or, June or July, you can vote again. That part of the script either. <laughs> And you can review us on iTunes. Yes, you really can. And a lot of you have, and we appreciate that. Yes. We are rocking it on iTunes. We We reached number 31 for writing, which is huge, considering we weren't even in the top 100 when it started. Nope. So, yeah, excellent. (laughs) Anyway, next week's show, we're not not used to these roles. We're like swapping roles in this one. totally screwed up the (laughs) E-block. I know, the D block went really well, and now it's the E block that's getting screwed up. Oh, man. (laughs) Anyway, next week's show will be writing improv, creating a hero. Oh, this is so Now, in a romance, your hero is usually your second POV character. So his story and arc don't necessarily have to have the intensity of the heroines, but he still has to have his own identity. A lot of times the hero is just kind of decoration for the heroine to hang on, Mm -hmm. and we don't want that. We want really good, solid heroes. So we need you guys to send in your suggestions. Mm -hmm. We need a hero's name. Uh, we need a genre like romantic comedy, sci-fi, futuristic, romantic suspense, paranormal, traditional, whatever the genre is. Um, we need a location. It's all about the setting. So we need yes. a place to put it. So send those suggestions to improv. That's I-M-P-R-O-V at willwriteforwine.com. And uh, I'll see if I can sucker my friend uh, Catherine Wade to take it for us again. <laughs> I'll be like, Kate, yeah, I forgot to tell you. All of a sudden, because <laughs> I have it automatically forwarding to her email address. <laughs> So hopefully I'll get a chance to ask her before you guys start sending We love you, Kate. Yeah, we may, are we going to put duct tape in it this time? 
Are we going to have duct <laughs> tape? We have in? to figure out how to put duct tape. We have to put in duct tape in everything. Sure, we'll put duct tape in. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. And remember, every email you send us gets you an entry in this month's giveaway. So send them on in. Right. Until next time, this is Lonnie. And this is Sam saying if you can't write for money, then write for wine. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. Works for us. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We'll write for wine is brought to you every week by Lonnie Diane Rich and Samantha Graves. Visit us at willwriteforwine.com where you can find show notes, news about what we're up to, and sign up for email notification when a new show is available. And don't forget to friend us on MySpace at myspace.com slash Music provided by the good folks at the Podsafe Music Network. Music.podshow.com If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends. Go vote for us on Podcast Alley. Leave a glowing review on iTunes. Or just send us a note. Really, we'll take pretty much anything. Because aside from wine and writing, we don't have a lot going on here at Will Write for Wine. And whenever you vote, leave a nice comment. We get very, very happy. So take a minute out of your day and make our whole week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on Will Write for Wine. It's not morning anymore, so I have a diet cola and another diet cola. But then I'm feeling fine and I'm feeling pretty sharp and I'm feeling pretty wired and I'm getting things done. But right about two, I get this little tiny migraine. It starts by my eyes and it moves to the back of my neck and it moves to the bottom of my spine.